Hello and welcome to Victory Points. I am your host, Becca Scott, along with my trusty dog, Oshi, and this is a podcast about board games. If you've never heard of me and somehow stumbled uh, onto this podcast, in addition to being a tabletop addict, I'm an actor and the host of a few different things across the internet, including Geek and Sundry's Game the Game, where we play through new board games each week. Now, before I introduce my incredible guest, who you have no idea who it is, it's probably in the show title, so you definitely do, but hold on. First, there's a couple things. I want to tell you guys about. So a quick shout out to our buddies at Colossal Games because their game Western Legends, it's a wonderful kind of sandbox Western game. I talked about it in my top five games of 2019, very unofficial list in episode one of this podcast. Well, that game, Western Legends, has been nominated for the South by Southwest Gaming Awards. So congratulations uh, for that well-deserved nomination to Colossal Games. They get a victory point because I'm going to give out victory points whenever I see fit. That's just how it happens. Uh, I'd also like to give victory point to Zoom Out Media. They're a production company based in Atlanta, and they are running a Kickstarter right now for their documentary, The Game Designers. And I watched the trailer last night. I just stumbled across it from Board Game Geek, and I'm so excited because this is a beautiful trailer, very well produced. It looks incredible. It features luminaries such as Matt Leacock, who is the maker of Pandemic, and Antoine Bauza. I think I'm saying his name wrong, but uh, he is of Seven Wonders fame. And then there's up-and-comers like Kelly North Adams. She made Veggie Garden and then some other people. So it's a really cool look about how board games are made. I'm excited because it really illuminates how this industry works, and it could maybe open it up to new audiences, people that didn't know there was games besides Monopoly. Um, And, um, you know, people unlike... You guys are five listeners. Also, hi, Mom and Dad. Thank you for texting me that you are my third and fourth listeners. (laughs) Anyway, all that out of the way, my guest is James Hudson. He is the new Senior Director of Tabletop Games at Skybound Entertainment, having recently moved to Los Angeles to accept that position from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He is the face of Druid City Games. Quite literally, his avatar is <laughs> on all their social media. And it's a family-friendly focused publishing company responsible for Barnyard Roundup, which he designed, The Grim Forest, and Bloodstone. There's no T at the end of <laughs> Bloodstone. <laughs> and uh, he's also just a hilarious, wonderful person who um, holds all of the joy of the universe inside his beard. It's written right there. I wrote it in my notes, so it's a fact. James. Hello. Hi. Hi. You can talk now. Yay. I told him he'd better shut up until I finish my news. And and rightfully so, because I kind of run my mouth a bit. So you got to keep me contained. It's my favorite thing about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a blessing and a curse. I don't see where the curse is. (laughs) There's many, many people that would disagree with you there. Like Miss Banks, your fourth grade (laughs) teacher? Yeah, Miss Banks. If you could say one thing to Miss Banks right now, what would it be? It's uh, it would be like you know those kids that you stick in the corner so they'll do their work. Give them a chance, man. They might turn out to like make a board game or I don't. I, I wouldn't say be successful, but they may exceed your expectations. I find you to be very successful. Uh, me too. And you and know. if you don't support those kids in the corner, then they're probably going to do bad stuff. Right. Yeah. Help them out. Help them out. Help them out. So. Here's the main topic that we can kind of talk about or not, because we can do whatever we want on this podcast. I love I love hearing that. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever the I'm gonna dance on this table. I don't know if it'll support my weight. I mean, you're gonna upset Brandon because he's (laughs) not gonna be able to capture that audibly very well. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Brandon is our audio engineer, everyone. Amen. Shout out for the good music and all the things. Okay, so what I want to talk about is I asked you your favorite games, and yeah. one of them on your list was Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Indeed. Indeed. And um, there's a real trend for this sort of deduction game, but a murder mystery cooperative deduction game because there's the social deduction games, which are a different category like Resistance, One Night Ultimate, Werewolf, mm-hmm. Coup, all of those. Um, but there's there's the the more cooperative ones like... I just played one called Detective, a modern crime board game. Yep. I don't know. That came out last year. It's mm-hmm, a really fun mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. I think Mansions of Madness sort of falls in this category. Yeah, I would say so. A little dungeon crawly, but definitely. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get to that. But I know you have a lot of thoughts on it. I just want to tease. I'm trying to get better at teasing what the episode's about at the sure. beginning. But more importantly, we need to talk about you first. Oh, sure. Okay, so who... Is the man behind the dapper pompadour hairdo <laughs> and the beard and the charming southern accent? Oh, uh, just a redneck from Alabama. Um, you can't say redneck. That's not a. That's not a thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you're calling yourself one, exactly. You can. <laughs> it's like you got to be a redneck. Game knows game, right? I don't call anybody else a redneck. That'd be rude. Unless they are physically sunburnt and their neck is very red. Or unless they're part of our actual redneck team at Skybound, which is a one of our comic lines about vampires in Texas. Get it, Redneck? Yeah! So there's that. I remember when that book came out, and I thought, that is a really cool premise. I should really read that book. It's solid. It's I good. I love it. it. I'm sorry. It's okay. Confession. I'll allow it. We have like 50, so it's hard to probably keep up with them all. There's a lot of good comic books out there and not enough time in the day. That is a that is a real problem. Yeah. But podcasts you can listen to as you drive to work. Oh, my gosh. Oshi is in the studio for the first yep. time, and he just put his chin on my knee. Hey and that's mom. what life's all about. Okay. Hey, Mom. So, yeah, just dude from Alabama. Uh, did the corporate game for a long time. L- worked in marketing in the corporate world for 11 years. In this, wait, what did you market? Wait. These, these two industries are going to blow your mind. Are you okay. ready? Yeah. Tell me. Truck driving and construction. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it was very fun. Um, I, I, I think sorry. that's a, my father-in-law has been the in-house law person. Mm-hmm. Lawyer, they call those, yeah. uh, for a construction company for like 30 years. And, hey, that's a great way to raise a family. Oh, it was a great, I mean, great living, good, consistent pay, all that good stuff. But as a creative person, it was soul-crushing because there was zero outlet to be creative in there, you know? So you're like... You think marketing is madmen, and therefore you get to do cool... Not in the corporate world. You come up with cool ideas, they're like, yeah, cool, no, stick with what works. Stick with what works, you know? And um, However... Yeah, disagree. I love, <laughs> I love an advertising campaign that breaks the mold, you know? Yeah, I, I proposed many of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things where uh, you know it. You sit in your little cube. You make your fifty phone calls a week, uh, and you know you. It's consistent. You make your money and you go home. And um, as soon as I, you know, I am a product of the uh, of the golden age of board gaming. I, I didn't grow up playing D anD didn't grow up playing board games. I played a Monopoly and a Risk. Hated both experiences and never played board <laughs> games again. No, it's um, so funny because you've hit on what is always soon becoming my first question, which is what did you play growing up? It was it, mostly just Nintendo. You know, I was a Nintendo kid, a video game kid. Um, we lived in the woods. 
like literally in Alabama. So had, you played a lot of duck hunt. <laughs> there was a lot of duck hunt for sure. <laughs> Me too. Uh, power glove. Anybody? Anybody? <gasps> Love anybody? the power glove. Anybody? Yep. Game genie. Like getting all those codes. Come on. You know they were in the back the of the Nintendo Entertainment Magazine. Oh. The game genie when you hook you actually hooked it on to the Nintendo cartridge before you jammed it. What? Yeah. You let you break codes and like. Do extra special stuff in the games. What a brilliant invention. Yeah. Where is that designer now who um, made that thing? We, we can reach out to them. Yeah. Get them on the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, board games suck me in. I had a friend when we played uh, World of Warcraft together. He was like, we do board games. I'm like, why would you play board games? That's the worst. And he was like, just come one night. And I played Power Grid, and... My life has never been the same. Really? Indeed. So then you started Druid City or that came later? It was more of a, I went down the rabbit hole, played lots and lots of board games, bought too many quickly, like (laughs) we all do. uh, And then instantly was like, as a creative person, I was like, I have an idea. There's a space here. My son at the time was like three. I was getting games that we could play together. And he couldn't play much of anything except shoots and ladders. Right. You can only play so much shoots and ladders before it's, you want to stab your eye out with a spork. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I hate it so much. Yeah, it's there's, it's, not, it's not a game. You it's spin more of an activity. a spinner. And you do the thing. Yeah. Okay. So, Children need to learn strategy. Well, I wanted to teach my son how to lie. Ooh. So we made a bluffing game because I was trying to think through mechanics. What could he play without having to read? Mm-hmm. But... I wouldn't mind playing. And so that's where Barnyard Roundup Three-year-olds are excellent at manipulation. They are the best, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some parents are like, why would you want to teach your children to lie? I was like, A, I want to teach them to think critically. Mm-hmm. So that's more of what we were doing. And B, I learned all their tales. So now <laughs> when he tries to lie to me, game over, buddy. It's not happening. Uh-uh. I know yeah. what you did in Barnyard Roundup. You gave your tricks away. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, man. I love that. So you started Druid City. That's right. Uh, in, that coincided with making Barnyard Roundup. That's right. What was the next step? Did you hire employees? Did you make a next game? Um, it was, you know, there was a couple of us that actually started out together doing it. And then when we got to one year, fortuitously, we were walking through Gen Con and I see Dim Eisner, who he's, well, he's like seven feet tall <laughs> and he has a huge, huge head of like curly fro hair. And so you can't miss him. And uh, we started chatting. He was, had this game at the time that was called Three Pigs. Oh, no. And, no, no, no. And we That's played not the it. Name. And I was like, hey, man, there's something here, but it needs a bigger world. It needs more. And I, it took me months of convincing him because he's like, why? You've done one game that did like $17,000 on Kickstarter. Why <laughs> should I sign a game with you? And I was like, I don't know, man. All I can do is tell you that you should let me have this, and I'll because make it cool. Because this charming southern accent, that's why? I didn't stop either. I harassed him for two months. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said yes, and then we did the thing. And then there's Grim Forest. The Grim Forest mm-hmm. is an incredible game. Yeah. Uh, I have played it many times with you. We played it on International Tabletop Day. ITTD, baby. That's the thing. I love this game. It's so simple in concept, but there is complex strategy. Yep. And a, a friendly way of like gotcha gameplay, um, which to me is when when you screw over your friends, exactly, but in a charming way. So it's based around grim fairy tales. Yep. you're not stealing anybody's licensed IP. Nope. And uh, it it tells these fairy tales in a way where all you're trying to do as a pig is build. Your houses, Mm -hmm. three complete houses, and you win. All you need is a a floor piece, a wall piece, and a roof piece, right? right. And you can make it – it must be consistent material for each separate house, but it must be either brick, straw, or wood. Yeah. 
sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I didn't review this before the podcast. I'm just doing this from memory. Let's see how I do. Yeah. And uh, you can, on your turn, do a couple actions to yeah, agree. Yeah, so the, the, big, the big hook here is like you're secretly going to a location to get resources to build those houses. If you go to a place by yourself, you get all of it. But mm-hmm. if me and you go to the same place, then we have to share. Womp, 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 womp. That's, that's sound effects. Um, yeah. And when you build that third house, you win. But it gets more complicated or that's strategic it. when you go... Uh, I'm going here, but then you have these fable cards that let you kind of double down on a strategy. Like, can I be at a place by myself? So now you're looking around the table and going, okay, I think Becca's going to go to the brickyard to get brick. I'm going to go to straw, and I'm going to play this other card. And if that happens when we reveal, then I get all my little combos. Uh, but then things happen. Things, yeah. things happen, and people play other cards. So. Um, here's what I love about the Grim Forest. One very solid pieces, mm-hmm. uh, the objects within it. It is very high quality, and I love that. Tactile. Tactile yes. is the word. Oh, tactile Tantalizingly tactile. <laughs> very satisfying. Tactily. <laughs> and uh, the other thing I love about it is very little randomness. I mean, it depends what card you draw. Sure. But it's all based on reading your opponents. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, friends, whatever you want to call them. Yep. <laughs> Other piggies. And uh, I love I love games where, you know, a little bit of randomness and luck is, is fun just to mix it up and make it unpredictable and make yep. it have, if you are a first-time player of that game, so you're not at a huge disadvantage because the right. luck affects everyone. Yep. But it, it's a good amount of strategery that, that a new player can hook on to quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, just pick a card and go to a place. And you helped make it thematically what it is were the mechanics the same when you came onto tim's game they were similar yeah there was just we added way more um layers um my friend uh, ian was actually one of the he like he went through all the grim tales and was like how can we put this character in how can we put this character in and he just kept coming up with all those different powers with the friends powers and the fable cards and uh that's kind of a special power of his own like he can sit there and just dream up powers for cards all day so that's very cool i love that uh, it sounds like I've never designed a game, but it sounds like when you found the right theme that just clicked, then mm-hmm. more mechanics just automatically revealed themselves. They do, and you know, one of the hardest things about designing and developing is to kill your darlings because there's a lot of times you come up with these things that you're like, "This is going to be such a great idea." Like right now, we're working on a game uh, called Wonderland's War. It's and on my list right here. Yeah, Wonderlands of War. No, just Wonderland's War. This Wonderland. is this is Alice's Wonderland, you know, essentially, and. It's at war, which sounds very weird because Wonderland is not a serious place. It's not a place where people would typically go to war. I disagree. So you're gonna leave, you're gonna want to know about the narrative of what is draining all the madness and all the funny out of the Wonderland. <gasps> dun dun dun. However, back to back on topic. Um, as <laughs> no, we're designing there is that, no topic. I told you. I- <laughs> Rabbit trails. <laughs> I named a topic, and Everywhere. we're not even there yet. It's fine. Um, it's one of those things where you you know you come up with these cool ideas. And you're like, oh man, if the Cheshire Cat did this in the game mechanics, it'd be so cool. And you you put it into the game and you play, it and you're like, that wrecked everything. That was not fun. And then you take it all back out, and that's just part of game design. You try ideas, and and they sometimes they're great, and they click, and they work. Most of the time, they suck really, really bad, and you just kill them try because there. they're the worst. Yeah. Question about Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really in the weeds, but do you need to get that IP? How does one get that IP? Is it like the Lewis Carroll estate? It is It is open, just like uh, Grimm. Uh, that's why there's tons of games out there. That's why there's tons of Sherlock's. You know, we are kind of limited in the things that are open world, IP, uh, public domain situation. If you don't want to give... 
Disney millions of dollars. It's funny that you mentioned that. Interesting segue. Did you know that in 20, I think it's 2022 or 2024, the mouse, Mickey Mouse, will be (gasps) off of trademark and off public domain? I don't find personal investment in the mouse. Me either, but I just find it interesting that the mouse is going to be, the mouse is loose now. Ooh, in the next five or so years. You hear that, budding game developers? Where are the Mickey Mouse games? Can you imagine the onslaught of product? (laughs) Can you, uh, so I imagine that there's no, like, slander to an IP character, so people could just do, like, dirty Mickey. Uh, I figured out my first game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's one of the reasons why in Grim Forest we, you know, we, we have a Snow White and we have a Sleeping Beauty, but they're all, you know, you don't want to, the iconic dress from Snow White of Disney Mm -hmm. is theirs. So you can't go into that. You put red and yellow on on that card. Ooh, you're getting you're getting a cease and desist. Yeah. Here comes the lawyer team, the mouse (laughs) lawyers. Um, But like you have to do a lot of research. Uh, Like if you go check out. uh, I just pictured a team of lawyers sitting very straight faced at a conference table and they all have like the Disneyland ears on. But they they never smile. No, no smiling because they're the serious wing. Yeah. You had Um, a real thought. Go on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, if, like Beauty and the Beast, like that story is open domain. Right. But Gaston was specifically created by Disney. So <gasps> you can never do anything with Gaston because that's their character they created. So you sometimes you, you have to dive a little deeper into the weeds to make sure that you're not treading on sacred ground and yeah. you're going to get lit up. So, you know. Well, Gaston's a, a dicey character to yeah. reintroduce in this Me Too era anyway. Yeah. Because screw that guy. He was such <laughs> a jerk. She doesn't want to be with you, man. Get over it. Go read a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? If you read a book, maybe Belle would have been interested. Maybe. Because, I mean, those muscles. <laughs> Not mad at those. Anyway, just my thoughts on Gaston. Um, before we talk about what I promised we'd talk about, which is Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the mechanics of that sort of game, just one more personal question. What is it like to move across the country and uproot your family to do so? Yeah, it's super easy. Everyone can do it. Oh, okay, great. Moving on. That was it. No, it is very hard. Uh, it has been a rough seven months. Um, lots of good stuff. Because it was lots Gen Con that you were moving, right? Just yeah, around that time. That's right. It was right mm-hmm. before. Like I had a <laughs> ten day window from San Diego Comic Con before Gen Con started to Ooh. get. To go west, young lads. <laughs> Ten days to move across. That's how long it takes to drive with mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't drive. That would have been. I'm in. I'm not into torture. That would have definitely mm-hmm. been torture. Yeah. Well, um, some people are. Put, no, no shame to those listeners. Hey, we're not going to shame your kink. Do your thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. It's tough, and finding adult friends is tough. You know, especially if you've got any introvertedness to yourself it's hard to go out and LA is a tough town to get new friends now you are fully an extrovert am I right I am pretty much 99.9% extroverted that's that is true I need like one afternoon a year to myself yeah that's it okay I think I'm 60 40 extrovert introvert okay yeah uh because you know I like um going to a place and interviewing my friends for a podcast and I enjoy people but if there's too many people around for too many hours, I just need to go away and be with my dog. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's interesting that uh, as an extrovert, you find it pretty easy to make friends. Somewhat. It's still hard to make, uh, you know, who you'd put in your inner circle, right? right. Like that just takes time. Or and to so, get other people to text you all the time right? to be in their inner circle. Well, and, you know, it's 
as introverts have problems and they worry, you know, anxiety, anguish, so do a hardcore extrovert because we're like, am I talking too much? Am I bothering too much? Am I reaching out too much? Am I harassing them too much? Oh, I'm going to make them not like me. Oh, 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 you know. And so it's it happens on both ends of the spectrum. It's just a different execution of the anxiety. Right. We all yeah. have social anxiety in one form or another. Yeah. How terrifying is that? I will replay something stupid I said in my head a thousand times after a conversation. You know, I've been working really hard on not letting myself do that. Really? I was doing it as I was going to sleep last night. This is really weird. Do you want to know what my I weird love visualization? weird. Please tell I me was weird like, things. I, that is not helping me. We all have two voices inside our head. Mm-hmm. And there's people who've written like sports psychology books about this. You have your self-critical self and your I can do anything self. Mm-hmm. And there's more specific terminology that I've totally forgotten. But uh, the the self-critical self is the one that tells you not to walk in traffic and to look both ways. And the other one is like, no, everything's fine. I'm just going to talk and do whatever I want. So you need <laughs> them both, you know, one for safety and one so you don't get bogged down. But if you let the self-critical one take over, then you're never making steps forward because right. you're always just like, what have I done? I did the wrong thing. I said the wrong thing. So my visualization I had when I was trying to fall asleep and I thought, did I say the wrong thing then? I imagined like this big screwdriver going into my forehead and taking that thought out of my brain. How weird is that? But it worked. And then I was like, okay, it's I'll just think about nothing. It's unique. I imagine I was being lobotomized, I guess. I mean, I think you could probably go with something else more like magical or something to whisk it out of your head instead of, you know, drilling it out. But hey. What's you, the Grim you Voice do you? version? Uh, the Grim Voice. I mean, the fairy godmother come in with her wand and be like, blue. Ooh, that's good. I find vis- visualization very helpful yeah. for that sort of like, yeah. if you're going to. It's turning into a self-help podcast is what's happening hey, here. But you know, those are a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, before we move on, uh, since we were talking about the Grim Forest, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the Grim Masquerade? I would love to. I think on our schedule in the next two weeks, you're going to get to play it. I know. I think we're going to be doing a little filming for that one. Does that mean the prototype is done or it's already printed? It is. Uh, the prototype is locked in. This is not going to be a Kickstarter. So Ooh. when we bring this to the table, it is. A, this is what it will be. And it'll be available at like April-ish. Is that risky? Because so, you know, Ivan Van Norman. I'm aware of <laughs> Senior Tabletop Man. Actually, I saw you just interviewed him uh, very informally on Facebook because I, yeah. I stalked you. Yeah, his Icarus launched and I was very excited. It sounded very cool. Yeah, I know things about Icarus. I played. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, and we discussed it here yeah, on yeah, this yeah, very yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, question that mm-hmm. I had. Mm-hmm. Brain, work. Nope. Oh, uh, so <laughs> thank you for fairy godmothering my brain You're just then. It totally worked. I saw her come in, fairy dust. Okay, so Skybound choosing not to Kickstarter this is a little unusual because it seems like even big brands are Kickstartering everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What went into that decision? So I think when we evaluate a game for Kickstarter, it's do we have things that we want to add to the game that we need and want the, that initial funding to add to the game. So when you take a game to, straight to retail, you have to kind of come in at the lowest bar because you don't have any idea of the amount of units that's going to move, right? right. Kickstarter kind of gives you that barometer of like, hey, 10,000 people are interested in this. So we can know, okay, we, we want to add these extra cool things in. So now that we got the money up front, we can do that. In retail, you don't put extra stuff in there because you can't risk it. And so some projects, though, just the game mechanics and the game components don't 
really warrant that extra spectral deluxe situation. Right. You can't leave anything out and have it still be viable. So yep. it doesn't have the, if we reach this level perk. Yep. So like right now we have Valor and Villainy that's on, on Kickstarter and people really want double layered slotted boards for the tokens. Mm. That's something that you wouldn't do in retail, straight to retail, because those boards are expensive to make. Right. But now that we've got 250 thousand dollars up front, Ooh. you can go, okay, we can mitigate that risk. Let's do it. Right. So it's, uh, there's way more business to the side of Kickstarter than people realize, even than I realized when I first started. And you're like, okay, yeah, these things align. This is how we should kind of go to bat. The other thing is we just can't hammer people with Kickstarters once a month, twice a month, whatever. Ah. We've got a lot of games that we want to put out, and some just need to go straight to retail. So you're concerned about the consumer burnout. That's sure. that's a really good point. And with Skybound, you got it's it's not like a an indie producer that's thinking, well, if we don't get the money up front, then we can't make the game. Right. Skybound has a little safety net. So you don't you have know, to kickstart every I, and, and one. I think everybody should realize, too, like they see big companies and they think, oh, Simon, big company, Asmodee, big company. Every entity pays bills like you do. Money's coming in, money's going out constantly. And so just because people have a bigger net worth doesn't mean that they don't have the same problems. I still go in and have to say, here's the P&L for this project. Here's when the production is going to start. What's P&L stand for? Uh, uh, profit and loss sheet. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. And uh, we're, we are going to need to pay for deposits at this time. And you have to make sure that it aligns with all the other projects that are going on. Because if too much money is going out at the same time, that, you know, that happens. So the conclusion here is mo money, mo problems. Indeed. Biggie Smalls had it from the beginning. He did. Well, yeah. More risk involved. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's, let's get to the meat in just a second after a <laughs> word from our sponsors. Welcome back to the pod. My guest today is James Hudson. He is the Senior Director of Tabletop Games at Skybound mm. and has done so many interesting things and is a wonderful, wonderful person to talk to, as you guys already know, because you probably listened to the first half. But some people, they're they're mid-pod starters. Really? That's a thing? No, that's not a thing. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, we were just about to talk about a game both of us very much enjoy, and mm -hmm. we should play together sometime, mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It is my number one game all time. Really? It is. You buried it in your list a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, well. But I caught it. Save the good stuff for last. You I know? saw. So this game was... Let's see. So there's so many different uh, versions of this that have been put out because mm -hmm. it's a one-time and done playthrough, basically. It's, right. You're solving a mystery. And the very first one was The Tim's Murders and Other Cases in 1981 from Sleuth Publications. And now Space Cowboys has been putting it out. Mm -hmm. The latest being, I think the latest was Jack the Ripper and the West End, West End Adventures. That's right. Uh, so, what is this game, and why do you like it? I have the binder from 1981. Really? I went back and got all the old school stuff. Oh, yeah. you're it, a collector. Eh, well, I think we all are, because we have big collections of games that we don't even play, like our shelves of shame or opportunity, however you want to frame that <laughs> in your head. But no, the reason that I love this game, the first time I played it, you know, I just came across it on a whim and was like, what, what is this? I love Sherlock things. Let's see what this is about. And my group and I, we played it. And at the end of it, you've, you've spent two hours constantly talking to each other, 
never looking at your phone, never wondering about what's going on in your life outside of that. You are reading this story, and everybody gets to like really start putting in what they think is happening. Wow, I think it's the wife. She was talking to the Russians, and they did this and this and this, and you get all these, and they throw in all these red herrings at you, and people are like, no, 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 that's, that's definitely a red herring. And people are just... It doesn't matter how many people are at the table. That's the other thing. It just it scales infinitely. Yeah. Uh, I do think you probably hit a max because only so many people can talk at once. Like an escape room. Exactly. You don't want more than six, um, maybe ten. Exactly. Yeah, that's a perfect amount. Exactly. Um, and you always feel really stupid at the end when Charlotte, because you're essentially you're training, you know, in like the Baker Street up-and-coming uh, investigators for Sherlock, right? Like you're part of – the theme is you're part of his informants or whatever. Exactly. And uh, they have a name for him. It's slipping my mind. And you kind of see how he – what leads he went through to get at the end. And if you can do it in the same amount of leads he does, you get a perfect score of 100. Uh, right. So it, it's cooperative. Uh-huh. We're all trying to just be craftier than Sherlock. Which is not possible. Not possible. Because, uh, honestly, the game's a little broken. Because even, like, some of the uh, – there's some plot holy type things and there's some logical fallacy where, like, you wouldn't make that leap rationally to the next one. That's not – even Sherlock. Mm, but at the end of the day, it's not a – it's like how well can we do against yeah. Sherlock. It's not can we do it perfectly. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's seen – Benedict Cumberbatch's version, you know, there's no outsmarting that guy. Oh, yes, we have. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's what really got me into it. I read some of the books as a kid. Yeah, sure. Good old Benny. That BBC Sherlock is some of my favorite TV. Yes. You know, it's one of those shows, a lot of shows do this now, but I think it was one of the first and one of the best to incorporate text messaging in a visual way that was yes. very interesting. Yes. That's just an on-screen overlay of the text. Exactly. I yeah. And his whenever he goes to his mind palace, like oh, that's mind how palace. I envision Sherlock being, right? That kind of quirky, weird, and kind of rude-esque, you know? Because yeah. typically somebody that brain level's not going to communicate with when us socially. Think, yeah, when you think everyone else around you is an idiot, I mean... I mean, what are you going to do? How polite can you be? Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the game facilitates a lot of conversation, which I think is just fun, you know? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of this. Uh, cooperative games are not always my favorite, sure. just to be truthful, as I say in every episode. Sure. <laughs> but if it's the right kind... Um, which I think this is, then I get really into it. Um, and I guess it, it, it opens itself up to quarterbacking in a way that some cooperative games do not. But um, I love this idea that you are really solving a real problem. You are <laughs> testing your skills if you were actually a detective. Here are the clues presented. Yes. Here are the people you could interview. Yes. And you have to figure it out. Yes. Um, and... Uh, also, Detective, the new game, Detective, what's its subtitle? A Modern Crime Board Game. Yep. Um, that's a really great one that's in the same element, but it doesn't have it doesn't have the uh, thematic atmosphere, atmosphere yeah, 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 that yeah. Sherlock Holmes does. So what comes in this box, and I'm only talking about the republishing of the 1981 because that's the case sure. that I've done, the one I have at home, and what comes in the box is a map. Of the city, mm-hmm. um, uh, let's see. Directory, there's like a directory address book, right. and if you go through, if you choose to visit someone at their address, right. then uh, you've you've spent one step. And that's the key to the whole experience is that directory, because as a group, we essentially get like, here's what happened, 
here's all the, and the you know when they're going through that they list five or six people of the wife's names Matilda and she did this and this and this and there was this that happened and so then you're like well let's look in the directory let's see if Matilda's in the directory and that's how you go chase down leads you have to look through the directory and it tells you where to go and then you go to the game manual and you flip to that specific part and then you read that and that's a lead right and so it's how many leads did it take you to solve the case or did you even solve the case and sometimes you open the directory and it says Matilda moved no one lives here anymore yep, yep. and you're like damn it <laughs> wait if no one lives here why are you talking to me right um and that's the agency part of the game and, right. and I think that's for at least for me one of the things like even like doubling back to what we talked about earlier with power grid that was what really hooked me into board games it's like wait Monopoly, you just roll the dice and you go where you land. Yeah. There's no agency there. Mm-mm. There's total agency in, I get to choose who we go talk to. Oh, here and, that, and that's where the group talk starts happening. People are just like arguing for their hypothesis. And you're like, man, I can see what you're saying, but I just really think we got to go this direction. So Yeah, you've got to. Re- and then sometimes you're wrong. And then no and then, one. And then and it's like yeah. you, you lose your clout that way. No, then you just go to the new idea and you pretend like you never made that really bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But then everyone says, but James made us go talk to Matilda last They time. will bring that up multiple times, especially in scoring, because you'll go through the, the leads that you took, and they're like, there's the one that James wanted. <laughs> yeah. But then it's all about the what you guys found as a group. Absolutely. You know, the Absolutely. storytelling. Yeah. Oh, and one of my favorite physical elements is the newspaper. They give yeah. you a printed newspaper along with That's each right. mystery. And you can read through. That's where a lot of your red herrings are going to be. They are. And it's, there's a lot of times a lot of good clues. And sometimes there's even clues from previous news days from previous sessions. <gasps> so as you play throughout those 10 sessions, There'll be something that you read in a newspaper from three sessions ago that could apply. You're like, hey, do you remember that bank robbery that happened? This connects over here. Oh my so gosh. it really has those aha moments that you're like, I feel like I found the Easter egg. Like a season of a show. Yeah. I've only played two mysteries. so I would say I go ahead and that. grab the Space Cowboy stuff because there was a lot, again, there was a lot of... Uh, it was early on in the 80s when they were putting together these things, right. and they fixed a lot of the issues that those games had. So if you're listening, and this sounds interesting, the West End murders of around Jack the Ripper are a fantastic place to start with this. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the macabre. Am I yeah. saying that right? I never know if you pronounce the R. Don't ask the guy from Alabama how to pronounce things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of my superpowers. Now, um... I was thinking about this sort of mystery deduction game, mm-hmm. and this is a competitive version, but is Clue the OG one of these? Oh, for sure. Uh, that or Scotland Yard. Like, those two are, like, from way back, old school. They really nail it. Um, yeah, the old schools. We played a lot of Clue, and I know I still play – I've played Clue now. It just had a lot of those kind of wonky things that happen where it just kind of locks the game down and the fun stops. Like, if you stand in a doorway, people can't get into the room oh. type stuff, you know, and you're like – this, this isn't how this experience is supposed to go. <laughs> I think a, a real clue that I was a gamer from a young age is I broke clue early on oh, yeah. by writing down on the back of my score sheet every time someone asked a question and who showed them a card. So I know of the three things so-and-so asked for, they probably don't have one of those. Right. And so-and-so showed them something. So one of those exists. Yeah, you were sleuthing from an early age. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love the sleuth. <laughs> I love the logic and deduction. And uh, there's a concrete answer. That's why I like math. Sure. Yeah. Oh, God. Math. Oh. Concrete answers, man. It's not changing. There's a truth to be discovered. In an essay, there's no, there's no 
innate truth. You can argue anything. I like to argue. I know. <laughs> um, I will say, so we've got the OG, and you, you mentioned Detective. I think one that is even surpassed and may have killed Sherlock Holmes for me is Chronicles of Crime. Have you heard of that one? It's on so many top ten lists for the years, uh, for 2018, and I haven't played it. Chronicles Crushes of Crime. Crushes it. So here's what, I was skeptic. Okay, because it has a QR code scanning situation. Right. Okay, so the thing that's that's I think the biggest flaw of Sherlock Consulting Detective is it kind of puts you on rails, right? Like there's only so many leads. You flip to the book, it is what it is. So in Chronicles of Crime, you can take any suspect, uh, you can go to any location, and you can have any piece of evidence, and you scan those three Ooh. things, and you can ask a specific person about a specific piece of evidence at a specific place. Oh, it just, and you have to find the evidence first before that code's Oh, it's got a cool thing, too. Where like you go to the scene of the crime on your phone, and one person at your team is like, they're looking, like VR style, looking around the room saying, I see a bloody pair of scissors, there's some clothes, and we're going through the cars as a team, and we're like, that's a piece of evidence, that's a piece of evidence, nope, that's not in here, that's a piece of evidence, and then those are the things that you have to scan and to kind of work through your investigation. Wow. So it gives you, it amps up that agency that I was talking about earlier, just like to the it has applied technology in a new way, in a way that Sherlock never could have right. because when it was created, there wasn't that ability. They sure. had to think of every possibility and put it in a box for you ahead of time. Mm -hmm. But this allows you infinite possibilities. Yeah. <gasps> oh. And it kind of keeps you on rails. Sometimes you can just really red herring in Sherlock to the point that you're like, guys, we've had 27 leads. We're going to score like negative. 500 <laughs> points whereas this is like it the the app can say nudge uh, you it can right nudge you in the right direction if you're just taking way way too long and keep your game experience nice and tight and clean you know so i i've really really enjoyed it oh my gosh well that just shot straight to the top of my list and i'm gonna have to play it and then uh talk about it on the pod sometime soon yeah, because uh, yeah. it sounds right up my alley all right let's see uh did you have any other favorites in the genre that you wanted to mention? What what is Scotland Yard? <sighs> Scotland Yard is is it's very clue esque. I would just say, and it's from right. oh, gosh, maybe the fifties or sixties. I mean, it's pretty oh, old crap. school. Um, it's just it's done in a little bit better way where the mechanics were fleshed out from Clue. I mean, you can obviously see where it was there. Eighty three. Eighty three. Okay, well, not quite as old as I thought, <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where it it corrected a few of the things that were wrong in Clue, or, or not fun, you know, where we'd evolved the mechanic a bit. And, right. Uh, that's, you know, and you're getting to look around and try to find a murderer, that sort of thing. Yeah. Jack the Ripper. Oh, man. Oh, that's so fun. Now, um, let's, before we go, there's another whole big old box I want to open. Okay. And it's a box. Pandora's. Dripping with blood and Gore and I was thinking like the Tiffany blue one, but maybe okay. No, this is a different box. A box full of undead humanity, oh. and it is The Walking Dead. Yeah. Well, hey, at least you didn't say the word zombie. I will never. We don't say zombies. Why? Because they're walkers. They're walkers. They're right. the Walking Dead. They're walkers. That was the stupidest question why I've ever asked, <laughs> but I'm unashamed. Hey, when I first joined Skybound, I used to say zombies, and I would get the look, and I'm like, sorry, I'm not on brand. Sorry. Right? <laughs> you just get just the side eye. Yeah. You know, we mentioned comic books earlier, mm -hmm. and there's only a handful of comics that I've really gotten addicted to. The sure. first comic book I 
ever sat down, read more than an issue of was The Walking Dead. Yeah. I read a hundred issues. And then when Negan got in the picture, I was like, I don't know. I don't you know. made it through the governor? So emotional. Oh, I made it through the governor. Oof, the governor, oh, yeah. he... I'm an ENFP, so like he crushed me. I was just like, I don't know if I can read this anymore. Yeah, I, I still think about those images sure. in those books yeah. all the time, especially the governor section. Uh, Robert Kirkman's a genius. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Robert and Charlie, that little, they're like a dynamic duo putting that together. Yeah. Oh man, so you you've met him? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. I won't forget about that. It's fine. Uh, no big deal. Can I touch you? <laughs> High five. Mr. It was Kirkman. like Robert Kirkman yes, just yeah. high-fived me. Yeah. Very cool. So let's see. Um, so you guys have the Walking Dead card game. Yeah, we got a new game coming out soon for yeah. In the Walking Dead World. So one of the things that we, I was really excited about when I came on was we've got this huge audience that's obviously into the Walking Dead, but they probably don't know anything about board games because— Idiots. <laughs> come on, muggles, come along. <laughs> uh, it's a whole new world. A dazzling place I never knew. Listen, don't hate on Will Smith. That genie's going to be great. I watched it last night, and I'm so excited. Get off his back. Robin Williams would want you to enjoy the new genie. Aww. R.I.P., buddy. Anyway, yeah. so I can uh, rabbit trail with the I best. I get chills every time. <sighs> He's the best. Okay, so <laughs> rewind. Um, where was I? Yeah, Walking Dead card game coming out because you knew there was a fan base and uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's a great mm-hmm. opportunity to pull more people into our circle. That's exactly right. But you can't throw them into the deep end of the pool. They need something they can latch onto. But I also didn't want to make a game that was just like us gamers, I'm air quoting right now, gamers, gamers. wouldn't enjoy as well. And sure. so we made this, we like to call it a co-opetition. <laughs> so you, uh, we're all working together, but we can all die as well if we take too much damage. Also, I can individually give people damage and try to kill them individually as a traitor-esque type of move. So it's it's basically a set collection game, and you're playing cards from your hand. And so we made it really simple. I can explain it in two to three minutes. I think it's also going to make its way on the game the game sometime in the future. I know. That's why it's on my list. Uh, I can't wait. But we have a ton of phenomenal uh, comics at Skybound, specifically with Image Comics. So Invincible. Invincible's been around for 15 years. It's a much, I won't say cooler way to do superheroes, but a more realistic way to do superheroes. How so? So, you know, like Marvel and DC, like they might, in one issue, blow up New York City. In the next issue, there's New York, all pristine and fine. And they're just episodic, moving on to the next thing. No big deal. Basically the plot at the start of Incredibles 2. Right. We're real sick of you blowing up our town. Exactly. Uh, Invincible's is more of like, Okay, we blew up the town. Now we need. Now we're the next issue. We're putting it back together, and those relationships amongst all the heroes. If you have super strength, you're. If you worked at a construction company, you'd move stuff a lot faster. Exactly. You know? yeah. um, and we've got great things like Manifest Destiny, where it's a Lois and Clark, Lewis, 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 and Clark go west. Yeah, Lois is Lois Lane. That's right. Lewis. Is I always say Lois. Clark's though. buddy. I'm just gonna go with it. Lois and Clark go west. You're from Alabama. You can do whatever you want. All history here. Uh, you, they go west and they find monsters and just crazy uh, alien gods. And there's a reason we, they were sent to kind of chronicle everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like this floral zombie situation that's happening out there. And then there's the natives and they're interacting with them and these arches. And there's a bunch of craziness. And it's A, it's gorgeous. Ooh. So that's Manifest Destiny. Um, Birthright is a cool one that we've done. Uh, that's uh, a kid disappears. He he comes back literally like a year later, but he's fully grown 
he's like a grown man. And he, to his brother, he's like, no, I'm Brandon. He's like, no, you're not Brandon. Brandon's <laughs> like nine. And he comes back. He's a, a sword, flaming sword wielding because uh, he went to a different dimension. And time acts differently there. And he's – I don't want to do, give away too many plot points, but like – Speaking of Robin Williams, Jumanji, you know, you go Jumanji. away and your you life's been different. lived without you. Yeah. Plot twist. Oh, ouch. Um, and then we just support a lot of uh, – indie creator like people who have crazy ideas like there's this one that just launched called outer darkness where it's a very uh people of color centric outer space drama situation um things that wouldn't just make it into like say your dcs and your marvels and your your mainstream comics so it's you know so read skybound comics is what you're saying uh, skybound and image they do a great job love it uh now um, I want to talk about something specific to The Walking Dead, okay. which was this is the Skybound Entertainment Division, Correct. less the board game division, but you know things, I've been told. Mm. And um, so Telltale Games yes. was the game maker that made these very interactive games. That's right. The, um, choose your own adventure. dialogue. We don't say choose your own adventure because that'll get you sued. Uh, no, Come at kidding. me, lawyers. We can say whatever we want on this podcast. Yeah, you yeah. can't if you're Netflix. Um, <laughs> uh, but so, um, so all these people were laid off very unexpectedly. Yes. And I want to say September of last year. That's about right. And it was heartbreaking. I loved those games. And mm-hmm. the first three Walking Dead video games, are seasons one, two, three, that were put out by Telltale, are some of the best storytelling I've ever experienced. The first one is about Clementine, a mm-hmm. young girl mm-hmm. that's discovered by Lee, uh, and they they form this unlikely bond, this sort of father-daughter-esque bond, but they, right. they're just survivors that found each other, and that's it's right. so beautiful. I want to cry just thinking about it, and I played it maybe six years ago. Sure, yeah. Uh, and uh, they made two more after that that um, some of those same characters come back. Some don't, obviously. Sure, Walking Dead. Walkers everywhere. It's an apocalypse. So, and so I'm very excited for well, the season titled The Final Season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually haven't started even though, even though two episodes were released last year. But then were pulled when Telltale tanked because I yeah. think they had investments that they needed to stay afloat. Those investments pulled out. They were screwed. Yep. So, so many people lost their jobs, and Skybound was partnered. No, to so make they just game? licensed The Walking Dead from us. And so oh. it was, uh, you know, Robert worked with them specifically to write these stories to make sure that they stayed on brand for in, so his good. vision. I would agree. Um, and, but it was one of those things where they didn't, we had no clue either, even as a partner, kind of a licensed partner. Um, that was, it totally shocked us. We had to take a week to kind of regroup, but Robert immediately stood up and said, "We have to finish Clementine's story. Like this can't go <laughs> unfinished." And so then it was a, it was a couple months of like it was really hard to untangle that web legally. Right. You know, our law team had to go to work to try and to be like, "Can we? Can we finish it? Can we bring on uh, Walking Dead Telltale to finish Clementine's story?" Because we we had just launched and we have a. Uh, video game division. They've done uh, the game Slime Rancher and The Long Dark. So those released last year, if you've, if anybody's checked those out. Um, I was actually talking to somebody at Game Informer, and I told them that, and they were like, Slime Rancher? We love Slime Rancher! <laughs> and I was like, really? 
Like so, anyway, it's awesome. just it's it's very pink and purpley, and I just didn't see all these dudes in Game Informer like really getting into a first person shooter of Slime Rancher. But hey, you live your know, life, live your life till they play it. You can't judge a game by its you slime shouldn't. colors. You think I'd figure that out by now? <laughs> but um, yeah, and so it was one of the things where we got it worked out, and the team is currently we were able to hire back the specific team from Telltale that was working on that project because they had many projects and a lot of employees and there was a lot of things like we've been asking are you picking up Wolves of London are you going to finish the Guardians of the Galaxy are you going to like no just Clementine just our story there so yeah and we're super excited about that well, I'm very excited for that as well. I think it is awesome yeah. that Skybound reached out to those same employees who were unceremoniously laid off, yes. told, get out of the building today, and then yeah. the next week given like four hours to clean out their offices. It was but not it, the best. And, you know, I'm sure that was hard for the company as a whole. I mean, I, don't, I, I personally don't know who to blame. I think we talk a lot about emerging industries yep. and uh, the gaming and programming side being a good place if someone is looking to be in a career where there is a future because yep. of so many industries turning to automation. And um, it's scary. It's scary to watch something like that dissolve that we all thought, great, a great game company that's going to keep pumping out these yep. awesome games that we all love. I mean, this week, Blizzard laid off 800 employees. No. Yeah, that it was announced yesterday. So, it's oh, we could we could totally uh, rabbit trail here uh, deep into this into this. Sure, uh, let's. Uh, the greed, mismanagement of money, mm-hmm. overextension, mm-hmm. things that happen that cause these type of situations. So you don't think it's over speculation on the part of these companies? You think it's it, it ends up being people at the top saying, "Let me be." You know, like you know, a CEO of Enron, and I'll just slide these numbers over in my account. Here's I'm not saying I, you're accusing no, anyone of No, no, no. Here's, tail, I would lead with this because I've, I've even had this in my own company, right? Like you can do all the right things and still lose in business. Yeah. It doesn't always just have to be because you made a bad decision. Sometimes it can just be like the stars didn't align, you know. And, and you know, as a consumer, I see consumers go, there's no way that could happen because – I just, but no, until you're in the shoes of someone making decisions to see kind of the dominoes fall and like, hey, these seven things in a row happened that made me have to shut this down or turn these things away or, you know, lay people off. It's it's not fun, but they do happen. And unfortunately, you can't always account for those or even pre-plan for those things. So um, I, I definitely don't want to point the finger at anybody without knowing full stories, but it is hard specifically in the blizzard situation to see record profits and then see 800 people laid Mm, off yeah where are those going i also understand uh, saying so at least when the article that i read and again i just read one article um but it's like okay so hero of the storm was not performing like they thought so they wanted to essentially reprioritize and put more effort back into the things that were working well so I understand that. So the people that worked on that project, if we don't have a place for you to go, I get it. But it also, you can't, it just sucks. It just sucks, you it know? It does suck. It just sucks. It sucks a lot. Well, before we go, I have to plug an idea I've been thinking about Ooh. almost constantly, which is the idea of universal basic income. Yeah. <laughs> because I have a platform and I'm going to talk about whatever I want. Do it. <laughs> I think that the world is moving in a direction where robots will have 
most of our jobs someday. Uh-huh. It's yes. inevitable. And it's a thing. It's either you deny it. It's like climate change. You can keep denying it and keep denying it, or you can do something about it right now. Right. And I guess some of the basic fears when people hear, well, how do you pay for it? And uh, uh, isn't that going to make people lazy? Lay- people are just going to be lazy and just sit at home all day, Becca. If you're able to have a roof over your head and food to eat – you're going to find some other way to spend your time. I would say I've always pitched it like this. That might be the case for about six to eight weeks, right? People would be like, hails to the, yeah, I'm going to sit here and eat Cheetos and watch Netflix all day. Eventually that gets boring. Right. right? You, you want more. We want more. As humans, we want more out of our life. We want more fulfilling uh, lives. Like heroin. <laughs> I mean, no, that's wait, an where option. Where are you going? That's an option. <laughs> totally an option. I don't know if I would recommend that option, Becca. Oh, Okay. Well, what would per- you do with universal basic income? Uh, I would I, – I know I would make board games, right? Like I would just keep doing – like if I won the lottery, I, f- I feel like a lot of people look at universal basic income as winning the lottery, right? right? Especially if you're poverty-stricken. And it's not all the money in the world. It's just enough no. to get by in most places. You get to eat and have a roof. Yeah. And to me, that is what pushes us forward because it, it allows people to experiment. And starting, say, a game company yep. is a risky, risky endeavor. Indeed. You could lose everything, as you know, because you started Druid City. And Yeah, and there's plenty of times your, your fatal position in the corner going, did I do this? <laughs> did, oh, my God. I'd... Right? But I definitely think – I don't know what the answer is, obviously, because this is a complicated – it's not black and white. So when people come around and they're stomping around these forums and stuff and they're like, this is the way it's got to be. Like none of the stuff that we're talking about is black and white. This is all very complicated. But like seeing how much money is staying in that top 1% that's not trickling down, that's not – you know, how about those raises that you were going to get from the tax break? Those didn't happen, Mm-mm. right? Those things don't happen. They doubled They doubled down and bought all their stocks back so they could be more rich. Absolutely. And, and I don't – this is going to – this is probably going to sound different, but hear my inflection. It's not that I don't blame them. It's our nature. It's our nature to protect what we think is ours. Sure. And so when you have a bunch of money, you want to keep it, you know? When I pay my taxes, I'm like, they're just going to waste this. I wish I didn't have to give it to them. Yep. But – we need the taxes to do the things. To have schools and roads. And all those things. I use those things. Yeah, I enjoy those, those things. Those are great things. Those are fantastic things. So it's finding a fair way to redistribute everything so that people – you can help them battle their own unself-aware tendencies. Like you can't keep all of that money. Hey, Netflix, how did you not pay income tax last year? You made $775 million. How did you – how did you get around that? Offshore That's accounts, broken. baby. AOC, Don't tell me I can't because oh, I did. Oh, I'm going to take my jacket off. Okay. AOC threw down this week when she went through her, uh, like, exposing corruption within our system. And it, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on or above the aisle, in the aisle, below the aisle, whatever. When someone helps expose that our rules are actually broken to the point that people can manipulate the system and be bought out – That's not what we're supposed to have our government for. That's not a free democracy. That's garbage. So, You and I will continue talking about this for the rest of the day. But to bring it full circle, this is why we like games. Because there are concrete rules and the only way to win is to play by them. That's right. And that's why it's important that games have a mechanic to take down the king. You got to have those kingmaker mechanics and kingbreaker mechanics. Yeah. In life as well as gaming. Indeed.
Well, before we go, is there one piece of advice you could give to listeners, say, if they are wanting to, oh, I don't know, stop their job in marketing yep. and start a game company yep. or just move across the country? What, what, what's, your, what's your best life advice? Number one thing is consistency. I see so many people pop up, they, they go hard for two months, and they go, whoo, this is really, really hard, and they quit and we don't hear from them again. Or they pop back up three, four, six months later with, hey, I know life got tough and now I'm back. That's not how you build a following. That's not how you can like, – it, yes, it's going to be stupid hard. Yes, you're going to waste money, spend money, uh, sacrifice. Like I drove a crappy 1996 Camry for three years that had a majillion miles because – and we didn't go on family vacations while I was getting ready to do Barnyard Roundup because I need to take – I need to divert all of that money into that thing to make it successful. And so sacrifice and consistency are two of the things that you just have to commit to or – Real talk, you're not going to make it. Yeah. You're not. It's not going to happen. And so you've got to be willing to kind of give up on those things and or make them happen. Yeah. Well, that is incredible. I'm going to award that 50 victory points, Woo! which means that, James Hudson, you have won victory points today. <laughs> Congratulations. That's, that's why I'm here. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being here. It's sure. always such a pleasure to talk to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks to all five of our listeners. <laughs> I want you to know that I love you very much. And if you love me too, you will subscribe mm-hmm. to Victory Points. Share and it. Share it. Yes, please. Please share it. Uh, tell your friends about us so we can move up those ranking lists on iTunes. really pumps our egos too. It does. Ugh. It feels so good. We're narcissistic. Absolutely. That? Narcissistic. Narcissistic. N- let me articulate the word, James. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.